To the ladies, to the gentlemen, to the fellas and those fellas and those fellas, welcome back to the channel and the podcast. We're having a good time. The first major is over. Colin Morikawa and drivable par fours. You put those things together, you get the most beautiful looking baby, and it's basically a trophy that the guy almost fumbles and falls to the ground. But boy, oh boy, that man and his drivable par fours, look at it. Workday wins on a drivable par four. Look, he didn't win because of that. A lot of other magic happened there, uh, putting crazy in playoffs, right? Uh, outlasting JT. Gets a huge jump up, though, from getting these eagles on these drivable par fours. That Look, at the end of the day, you don't get the eagle there. You're not playing in these playoffs for two weeks ago, a month ago at Workday, and this past week, winning it by two strokes. Jesus. This man, Morikawa, yeah, he's something special. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to hear a lot of talk about him and his early start compared to Morikawa and Rory and all the guys that, at his age, have done what he's done. I get it. I get it. The kid looks special. The kid looks dynamic. But let's just enjoy the moment. Let's not compare him to Tiger Woods or Rory at this point, right? I know how good he's been. I know how much more he's won than more Rory now, just based on winning one major in the last five years, right? Things like that. But uh, look, fantastic for Marikawa. I, a lot of people ask me, I was all over the place last week. Before we get into this one, welcome if you're brand new here. My name is Salvage. We cover fantasy sports in the golf, NFL, NBA primarily is where I'm trying to narrow down my interests, the places I like the most, uh, most enjoyment covering those three main sports. But welcome if you're brand new here. Hopefully you get some enjoyment out of this one. We're going to go salary range by salary range, starting at the 10K and above, 9, 8, 7, and then 6K range, and identify some early week targets. This, the prices just came out, like literally 20 to 30 minutes ago. So I don't have all the Vegas odds loaded in just yet, but all this stuff will be put over on my Patreon. We'll have projections, ranking, a closing thoughts podcast on Wednesday as well. So more content over there, as well as all my NBA projections daily and NFL once that season comes. If you want to support me over there, you can do so down below. But yeah, man, I've been traveling like the last two weeks and I'm not traveling, going on exotic vacations. I'm seeing family members, my girlfriend's family. We saw them, then they came here to me. And then I was traveling to my family for five days. Haven't seen them since Thanksgiving because of the whole pandemic and everything, you know, wearing masks, getting shot, getting tested, make sure you're safe and all that. So it's been weird. I've been working out of my parents, uh, man, my dad's man cave, right? The, the hangout area. I've been working in my, my other bedroom while my uh, girlfriend's family stays in here. So it's just been weird trying to adjust to it just timing wise on some of this stuff. But we're back in the office, so it should be good. But because of the hectic week, because of the really bad storms in Northeast got last week and all my schedules getting all thrown off, I didn't MME last week. I told the Patreon people that I didn't place any wagers last week outside of the ones I already had for this. And I was lucky enough to have an 80 to one column or cow ticket. Now, truthfully, there wasn't a ton of money on that thing. I think it was like a 20 or $25 wager that I made months ago at that point, but I've had about four or five tickets, a Bryson ticket, a Sun JM ticket that looked a lot better when I placed it like back at the beginning of the year. So I had like five tickets that I placed for the PGA championship ahead of time. They didn't place any the week of, because I mean, honestly, I just had those tickets already. And I was like, I- I'll just roll with these ones. I got the best odds I possibly can on these guys. Feel good about that. Didn't feel like adding any other names to the list at that point. And we were able to actually withstand it, right? Morikawa ends up and wins it. So hopefully anybody who had the Morikawa tickets, he was a very popular GPP play. A lot of popular plays have been winning outright lately. So I'm sure a lot of people have been on that. So congratulations to all of you. But today we're going to be moving forward. We're going to be moving on to the Wyndham Championship in Greensboro, North Carolina, where I would actually take the trip only a couple hours away if indeed fans were allowed, but they're not. So there's absolutely zero reason for me to actually go to Greensboro and spend a day there. Sure, it's a nice little town, but we're going to be heading over now to the Sedgefield Country Club. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. 7,127 yards. It's a par 70. So although it's a shorter course, it is a par 70, which makes it feel a little bit longer. They are smaller greens. They're around regulation size is what BJ Tory is going to be saying. But historically here, what you're going to get from some Donald Ross designed 
course, it's some of the smaller greens, Bermuda grass greens. So they are going to play a little bit faster than tour average. You're going to naturally just see a weaker field here because it's after a major. Now the Wyndham championship normally is going to bolster a little bit of a stronger field because it's not normally after a PGA championship. Naturally, the PGA championship is later in the year. And just in general, the way that the schedule works out, it's rarely that you get this one after it. I think like the heritage is normally the first event after the first major, which is normally the masters each year. This year, the Wyndham championship is going to get that, which means you just have a lot of people who were mentally focused last week on the PGA championship. They're going to be taking a week off and they're not going to be here this week. So that's why you see some guys in the 10k plus range on the sheet that I'll zoom into in a couple of seconds. Paul Casey up in that range, right? Patrick Reed, who's normally been in the 8k range on a lot of these loaded slates. I mean, guys like Brooks, Webb Simpson, Tommy Fleetwood, you would expect them to be around there, but Tommy Fleetwood was in the 7k range last week in a master's field. So you'll start to notice it a lot more when you get to the 8k range, where a lot of those 8k range golfers are normally in the mid to low sevens to even 6k range week in a week out. They're now pushing the 8 to mid 8k range this week. Now, this is going to be an event where you just get a lot of birdies. I mean, last year you had JT Poston winning at 22 under, which tied the course record set by Henrik Stenson in 2017. And the cut line last year was three under. And then from 2015 to 2018, so the previous four years before that, it was two under. So it's a birdie fest. You want to make the weekend? You got to go low. You want to win the event? Damn, you got to go low. You got to go into the 20s. Now, there are two par fives on this course, and they actually end up being the two easiest holes on the course. Lots of eagle opportunities there to actually get low. Makes a lot of sense. The easiest hole in the course is the par five fifth hole coming in at 509 yards. The second easiest is going to be the par five 15th hole, 553 yards. So those two are spots where you can pick up a lot of points, a lot of scoring overall. They're the only two par fours on the course, but most of the par fours are going to be very scoreable as well. Now, only 400 to 450 yards is eight of the par fours this week. So that's a key stat I'm looking at. Par four scoring from 400 and 450 yards, because that's going to be a lot of the volume of where the par fours come from and a lot of the scoring capabilities. Players that are good within those ranges because of having their 175 to 200 yard iron shots and approach shots, guys that look at good in the, both of those areas are probably going to pop a little bit more in some of the models that I put together. Other key stats, I'm really going to be looking at a ton of approach play, obviously tee to green every single week, but I'm going to be looking at approach play plus your short game, mainly putting. Now, obviously putting can be very up and down, but when it's coming to a birdie fest, your putter is usually the thing that's going to get you hot. Yes, very good on approach and then being able to sink those putts. Basically exactly how Colin Morikawa has won his two events this year. Your putting doesn't have to be dynamic and dynamite every single event that you go to, but when you're sticking it, especially on par fours to seven to 10 feet and you're rolling those in for eagle or birdie, it's going to obviously help you. In a birdie fest where I assume you're going to have to go under, right? Likely two to three under to actually make the cut here and likely to win this thing or place pretty highly having to post a score of 15 to 20 under, which normally the PGA Tour events winning it is 15 under, but obviously a birdie fest, your putter is going to have to get you there. Around the green play, not as important this week, but obviously you still want to have something going there. But approach play, tee to green as always. Off the tee game on a par 70 with 7,100 yards, it's not as important. I'm really looking at those second shots on approach. And I'm really looking at what people are doing with their putter in the short game. Also going to be taking a look at birdie average just in general per round, just to get an idea of that as well, factoring that in. The overall distance here, they're actually going a little bit lower than the course average, shorter, three yards below that. So you don't have to be bombing it at this course. It's naturally not happening there. It's a lot easier to hit the green in regulation. It's a lot easier to hit the fairways here. So if it's easier to do that, you just have to be the best of the best of it. And that's what guys throwing darts with their irons, their ball striking ability, their approach play, they're off the tee to an extent. It's what I'm going to be looking for here, their second shot. So a few notes about the field before we hop on into these 10K plus range, where we got five golfers, two in the 11K range, looking uh, awfully fine. Some good golfers up there. Paul Casey driving everybody nuts. I assume nobody wanted to play him last week after being burned for three weeks. I mentioned him in the video last week, right? I said, this guy's still good in the 7K range. He sets up for the course perfectly. He's had his two worst putting performances in like the last three years in back-to-back weeks. Things are going to change there. The week before that, he shot a snowman on a par three to miss the cut, right? It's just really bad luck for Paul Casey right now. And obviously the putter's never great, but if it's a little bit half decent, he can actually make the cut. And he did a lot more than that, finishing T2 last week. And I don't want to go any more into it last week because I know the whole comment section was going to be, I'm not fucking playing Paul Casey. I can't fucking play Paul Casey. And, that, and that's what it was. I said like three words about it, but Paul Casey set up nicely for that course. He honestly doesn't set up that 
that nicely for this course in like a birdie fest. Uh, the approach play is going to set him nicely, of course. The off the tee and the accuracy will help him, but it's not going to be a major advantage as it normally is. But before we break down into that, let's just finish up some of the field notes. The notables are going to be the guys in the 10 plus K range. You also have Sunjay M here. You have uh, Justin Rose here. Those are like the guys in the top 30. There's only nine of the top 30 at this event. Much different than what we just saw at WGC or 95 of the top 100 there. Much different than what we just saw last week at the first major, of course. So yeah, it's the final week before the playoffs. Some guys, I believe Nick Watney's like one point behind getting into the playoffs right now. So there's some guys that are actually having a lot of motivation here to play well and get into the FedEx Cup playoffs and standings. Last year, JT Poston won here. He's in the field yet again. There's a lot of past winners at this event, whether it's Siwoo Kim, whether it's JT Poston, whether it is actually going to be Brant Snedeker, lots of just other guys that are going to be in this field that are past winners will be here. I believe Patrick Reed also back in the day, more than five years ago at this point. There's your little preview to the course, the field, the key stats. Let's get into the 10K plus range now where my early interests are. My final interest will be on Patreon. If you want to support over there. The 10K plus range is going to be brought to you by Superdraft. These are, these are your super golfers up top. Superdraft, promo code SAL, S-A-L, gets you 10 free dollaruskis upon deposit. You go over there, you play the multiplier format. The last week's event, I think I posted it on Twitter. It was only like 55%, 60% full, and then it, it was done, right? So 40% of the field doesn't get into the uh, golf contest. Some of them last week, I think it was the main one as well. And you're battling only against 60% of the field for hundred percent of the price pool. That is unheard of on FanDuel and DraftKings. You're lucky if the event doesn't fill by like 5%. Everybody was losing their minds for the FanDuel contest that didn't fill by like, I don't know. It was honestly like halfway because they put so many entries, but everybody lost their minds for that. That's happening every single day on SuperDraft. Sure. It's not for these crazy high top prize pools, but I think I would like two to $4,000 just as much as you guys. And you're playing against people who don't have projections and half the field size. So go in there right now and get on SuperDraft promo code SAL, S-A-L, get you $10 Ruskies upon deposit Ruski. It didn't make much sense, but let's get into it right now, starting with the 10K plus range. So 10K plus, you have Brooks Kepa, who was very dominant for the first three rounds, right? He wasn't leading the event, but he was very, very close. Had some comments saying that you look at the guys in the top 10 outside of myself and what, there's three major champions there. Dustin Johnson is not able to finish and Dustin Johnson wasn't able to finish. Brooks Kepa got a lot of backlash for that, but come on, we just watched a documentary on Michael Jordan, how he was pretty much uh, making his own things up in his head to get crazy, uh, making up crazy things just for motivation himself, insulting people, all this type of stuff. And you go out there and he looks like the best player in the world because he wins. Brooks Kepa does those things and he just looks like a jackass because it's golf. I get it. It's a different climate. You shouldn't be saying that stuff in golf because it's a gentleman's sport. I don't really care that he said those things. For the people that do take offense to it, I completely understand why you did, but he's competitive edge. Psych yourself up. Maybe psych out the competition and Dustin Johnson wasn't able to close and Dustin Johnson has won a lot. So you can't say those things about him. But when it comes to major championships, maybe you can. But Brooks, yeah, I don't, I don't worry about going back to Brooks here. Everything's been clicking when the irons are clicking, when the off the tee game is clicking. And when you just get putting to be decent for him, he does what he's done the last couple of weeks. He went from being a guy that you were worried about making the cut with uh, right before the pandemic, right when he got back to it, to being seems like fully healthy now and seems to the position where if the putter's just half decent, it's going to go a lot for him. So yeah, 11,400, I don't run away from it. I think he's firmly in play. I think that Webb and Patrick Reed are the guys I like the most here. And it shouldn't shock anybody that they're the two guys in this field that when I weight their approach play plus their putting, they're going to be the best. They're the two best in overall strokes gain total in this range. Webb in this entire field is fourth. Patrick Reed is second. Patrick Reed right now in putting is third in this field. It's just a situation where birdie or better, he's going to be up there for scoring. I believe he might actually be first. If I scroll over a little bit, he is first and birdie or better in this field. So I'm looking at guys in this range that can win a birdie shootout, right? Patrick Reed, if I wait just the approach play and the short game is what I'm looking for. And obviously I'm waiting some other things, the par four scoring, the par seventies in general, something that Webb tears up. I think that Webb and Patrick Reed in this 10K plus range stand out the most for me for guys that I want to get to. I'm hoping it doesn't look exactly the same for others, but I assume a lot of ownership will go to Webb because of the par 70 scoring, because of how good he is in the short game and also on his irons right now, ranking sixth in this field. And the big one, because a lot of people overweight course history when they see it, he's finished second, second, third, 72nd and sixth here in the last five years. I mainly care about the last two to three years. I don't really look at course history all that much. 
much. I mean, I look at it every single time. I don't wait it all that much. But when people do look at it, they look at it the last couple of years. Second, second, and third is obviously something that's going to stand out. I assume Webb garners a lot of ownership and it's honestly well-deserved, not because of the course history, because of how he sets up here. You do have Patrick Reed coming off of a nice final round, gaining almost three strokes overall in the day. He finished 13th at the PGA Championship, where his putter wasn't clicking. We continuously see Patrick Reed, if his putter is not totally clicking, to struggle. Uh, he either misses the cutter, he's not finishing great. He only gained a half a stroke at the WGC, finishes 47th out of like a 70 golfer field. But then he comes out and he only gains 0.1 stroke. So he goes neutral with the putter, but he gets hot firing around the greens. Short game is something that is going to be deadly. He's fourth around the greens. He's very good overall, just in short game in general. So it does look very good to be seeing what he was doing. And then he ends up picking up strokes every single place at the PGA Championship. He ended up finishing out his hot round. I also call it that Brooks obviously did not play well on Sunday. He lost 4.75 strokes. Only Jim Herman was worse on Sunday at the PGA Championship. So his words are looking even worse now since they bit him in his own butt, not being able to close and having a much worse round than Dustin Johnson and everybody again, not named Jim Herman. So I don't take that too much into account here. Uh, the price point is, if anything, is what would steer me away from him. So I think Patrick Reed and Weber, the guys I like here, you get big price bumps from the 7K range to now the 10K range in a weaker field for Paul Casey and Tommy Fleetwood. Look, Paul Casey set up perfect last week. He's the number one player in this field right now in T to green, number one in ball striking, number three off the tee and number two in approach. He's going to set up very nicely here yet again, outside of the fact that he is absolute dog shit in the short game. Last week, his short game was good. And that's exactly why you get a T2. He gains over two strokes around the green and he gains about a stroke putting, but he's 131st ranked in this field around the green, 137th in putting. A bad putter is not going to continuously putt well. So coming into this week, he lost strokes putting in his previous four events. He actually gained strokes putting one other time, but he just has these island performances. I mean, it's been over a year since he gained back-to-back events in strokes game putting, right? He has these island events at the AMAX where he'll gain half a stroke putting. He'll gain half a stroke putting or a stroke putting at the WGC Mexico, but then he loses four events in a row. He loses three events in a row. So him going back-to-back here in strokes game putting and gaining another stroke like he did this past week would be something he hasn't done since last August. Maybe August is just his month and he can end up doing it. He did it in a stroke last year of getting pretty hot doing it three times in a row. I don't want to only be backwards looking, right? We have to be forwards looking. We have to acknowledge the fact that he was fantastic in so many areas, not just with the putter. Even if he wasn't fantastic with the putter, and he wasn't fantastic with the putter, I shouldn't even say that. He gained the stroke putting, but he gained over three strokes overall around the green in the short game with the putter. So that's where he was kind of fantastic relative to most of his performances the last couple of weeks of losing eight strokes, of losing six and a half strokes total in the short game, five and a half strokes, right? Those types of numbers. We have to acknowledge his skill set being number one in ball strike because he did gain over seven strokes on approach. He did gain 12.2 strokes T to green. So I have interest in Paul Casey. I have interest in Tommy Fleetwood at these price points. It'll come down to ownership. I would say Paul Casey is probably my third favorite play in this range, but we have to see if people gravitate towards him because of the T2 last year, because of decent course history here last year at T13, because of how he sets up, because I'm talking about him. No, I think I can't believe people actually think that I influence ownership. The 5,000 of you or so that are going to watch this, actually hit the like button, all 5,000 of you and the big old subscribe button. Let's see how many likes we can get on this video. I think my record's like 200 and something for a golf video. Let's see if we can crush through that. Maybe I got the 300. I don't really know, but be sure to hit those like buttons and the big old subscribe button heading towards 25,000 subscribers on our journey. Backpack on trekking up the mountain. Let's see if we can get there a little bit quicker, put on some rollerblades and skate up at hitting that subscribe button. We'll help with that. See how fast I just talked. People tell me I talk fast. I noticed it that time. Hopefully you stuck through it. So that's a 10K range for me. I would probably rank it right now um, in this order, not factoring in ownership early in the week. Webb, Reed, Casey, Brooks, Fleetwood, but they're all in play for me. I'm not fading any of them as of right now. Later in the week, if ownership is high on all of them, which in these uh, worst field events, when the best players are at 9K and above, it normally is, I'll probably take a stance and fade one of these guys completely. Um, if I'm doing like three max or single entry, I definitely will. If I'm doing 150 max, I'll have to decide on what that ownership number is to make me want to fade. Let's say if it's 25% Brooks, 30% Brooks, I may just fade it. Heading into the 9K range now, I ended up going to Justin Rose last week. I thought he was really good leverage in my single entry lineups. He ended up working out for me, but 
but he gained over seven strokes in the putting, right? Strokes game putting, he gained seven strokes last week. That's not normally his game. Now, when you look at his overall approach play and factor that into his putting performance, it's going to look a little bit decent, but it's also going to be not worth the $9,900 price tag. It'll be prices if he should be like an mid 8K range player, if anything, uh, for this course setup and having over seven strokes gained last week, giving him this artificial price bump from 7K range to now 9,900. Naturally, he should have got the bump anyways because of the weaker field, but I say maybe $9,000 flat, $9,200 at this price point. I'm just not interested early in the week. The guys that I do like a lot in this range are Harris English and Abraham Answer, and I would assume most people are going to. I would assume all the ownership comes in here because they're in a 9K range that has some shaky players around them or expensive Justin Rose, shaky players in terms of Jordan Spieth below them. And then you get the entire 8K range, which most of them you could just argue are overpriced in general, even for this slate. A lot of 7K guys might look just as good as them, but you get Abraham Answer and Harris English, guys that really set up nicely here. Harris English is number one in this entire field in strokes gained total. Uh, you have Abraham Answer as number three at fair price points. I assume they're going to pick up ownership. You're going to have to get different elsewhere or leave money on the table, but I do like both of them. You have them both playing very well as of late. If you look at the correlation between their approach play and their short game, they're going to rank out as like top 10 plays on this entire slate just by using those two. Obviously, we're going to factor in par 70 scoring. We're going to factor in birdie averages and a lot of different things. But even when it comes to just scoring in general and what birdie averages are going to look like, you do have Abraham Answer coming in six in that department. I would say I prefer Answer over Harris English right now. Going to be a lot more accurate in hitting these fairways and getting on the greens and regulations to set himself up for that top six birdie or better rate in this field. Harris English is somebody who will struggle with birdie or betters. So if you're looking for a guy to get really low, I think Answer has like actual really good win upside here. Harris English, he definitely can win here, but I don't think it's to the same level of what you're going to get out of Abraham Answer. And then it's worth noting last week, Answer does make the cut. He does not finish too great, finishes 43rd overall. He just pretty much loses uh, two and a half strokes around the green, which is really what held him down. And if we want to look at what Harris English did last week, English continues his just crushing year right now. I mean, the top 20s are insane for this guy. He has only missed a cut at the Charles Schwab, ready? So he misses the cut at the Charles Schwab on June 14th. But if you go all the way back, all the way back until the waste management, that is a run of 10 events where he only misses the cut once at the Charles Schwab and finishes top 20 at every other event with multiple top 15s in there, one top 10 and ninth at the Arnold Palmer, a very difficult course. Harris English is playing out of his mind. You know what that means? He'll be 30% on this week like he was a couple weeks back and he'll miss the cut for you. That's what that absolutely means. 29.7% on or something he'll come in at and he'll miss the cut. But no, Harris English has been absolutely dominating. These are the two guys in the 9K range. So right now for me, I would rank the 9K range as Answer, English, Horschel, Spieth, and Rose. I just don't like Rose at the price point for how much you have to pay for a guy who uh, was just really hot with the putter last week and that's obviously not going to happen. It doesn't have to happen in the exact same way, but at this price point, I think it's a little bit of an artificial uh, bump up too much, even for the weaker field. Let's head on down now to the 8K range where there's a lot of landmines and there's a, a man named Brendan Todd who continues to just be competing at every single event that he comes to. It seems like he's leading the rounds, whether it's first round, second round, third round leader at some point in the events. He's playing just very well right now. I mean, if you go back to just July, he's finished 22nd at the Memorial, a very tough course. He's finished 11th at the Travelers, a loaded field, finished 15th at the WGC and 17th last week. He's playing well because he's playing in events where he can actually just hit the fairways, take advantage of being the number one player in the field when it comes to overall fairways hit and accuracy. So when that happens, he has a leg up and he's also been playing on courses where you don't have to get low. That's the issue though for him here. He has $8,900 and he ranks outside the top 70 in birdie or better average. Now, although his putter is very good, it ranks fifth in this field in strokes game putting, the approach play is not going to be good outside the top 50 overall. So at $8,900 price point, I have him as an interest right now because the 8K range in general is just not good, but I could very easily get away from Brendan Todd. I don't think he misses the cut and I'm not going to project him to miss the cut here. And again, he can miss the cut. It's just a matter of, 
I don't know how low he can actually get here. In a bunch of fields that we've played recently that have been playing very hard, the Memorial, the WGC St. Jude's to an extent, the PJ Championship, definitely. He can benefit from not having to go 20 under. When the event is going to be won somewhere around that 11 to 10 under range, Morikawa pops off with the Eagle, wins it at 13 under last week. Brendan Tan hovering around at eight or nine under coming into the final round is definitely live. When he's eight or nine under or 10 under coming into a round when the winner is 17 under or the leader is 17 under, he's dead in the water. Now, it doesn't mean he's a terrible play, but when he's in the 7K range, that's fine. When he's $8,900, you do need those top 20s out of him that he's been getting as of late from very difficult courses. He doesn't set up as good here as a guy who has to go out there and score. The putter can get extremely hot, but I don't want to just bet on that, especially if there's any ownership on it. It's really difficult to trust Sanjay M right now. He's at $8,800. Look, he gained eight strokes putting when he went over to the St. Jude and finished 35th. You gain eight strokes putting and finish 35th. That's not good at all. That's telling you that a lot of pieces of your game are bad. So even when you have a historic round for yourself individually, a personal best eight strokes game putting, you finish 35th because so much of the rest of your game is struggling. I mean, if you look at his approach play, last week he gained 0.2 strokes on approach. The first time he's gained on approach since the first week back at the Charles Schwab two months ago. So that's not clicking. That time that he gained eight strokes with the putter was only one of two times that he's gained strokes putting since the return. So nothing's clicking. Three straight events losing around the green. You have T to green just in general. First time he actually gained in about a month and a half was this past week. Where he finished with a missed cut. So although I think the talent is obviously there, $8,800 is very similar to Todd. Like I want to see what these guys' ownerships are. That's why I have maybes by them. But this AK range is just a complete landmine. The, uh, the 9 and 10K range are going to be heavily owned. Harris English, even Billy Horschel to an extent, answer all the guys in the 10K range are going to be picking up 15 to 25 plus percent ownership because the 8K range is not good. And then once you get into the 7K range, there's some okay options. But for the most part, the ownership starts to trickle downwards. It's going to be a stars and scrubs week in my opinion, because this 8K range is disgusting. I had Shane Lowry as a yes. That was a mistake. That was an accident. There's no guys in this 8K range that I'm stating here right now and saying that I actually do indeed like. Shane Lowry right now is not playing that well. A six at the St. Jude's because something's popped. He gained 7.2 strokes T to green, but he's been losing with the putter in a terrible way. I mean, since the return, he's only gained in one place to work day. And even there, he finished 39th. There's not a lot of upside in Shane Lowry right now. The approach play is something that's very appealing. And that's why I actually like him and have him in play. He's gained on approach in five straight events. He's a guy who's gained in T to green in five straight events. It's just the fact that the short game is not good. The around the green has actually come around, although he lost over three strokes there last week. Before that, he was gaining strokes in five straight events. What you're seeing out of the putter is not very good. Again, he's lost in six out of the last seven events with the putter, and some of them have been very catastrophic for him. So this increased price point right now, he's going to be in play. I actually might like Shane Lowry because I'm assuming lower ownership. Todd's been playing well as of late. People just remember Sanjay Im's name, and he has won recently in the past like three months. Well, before the pandemic, if you go all the way back there, that was actually five or six months ago. But if you're looking at it right now, Shane Lowry out of these first three guys, I actually think I might like the most here, depending on ownership. That's assuming that he's just unowned. We'll have to keep going. Sibu came as a pass winner here. He finished fifth last year. He's won this event, like I just said, and I believe it was four years ago. But if I got to look at Siwoo, I mean, I could look at some things, right? You don't always need the putter to absolutely click here because the greens can help you out a little bit. The Bermuda greens for all these guys who are terrible putters can help it neutralize them, right? Can help uh, really good putters who are good with finesse, not have that finesse anymore. And it just puts the overall putting guys, guys who suck, still suck. Guys who are really good get a little bit worse because they can't use their finesse and all of their toolkit as being a great putter as much. There's an argument for that when you see guys like Siwoo Kim winning events and finishing top five in two out of the last four years here. He's playing well as of late. An 18th at the Memorial, very tough course, gains over three strokes with the putter there. That's what helps him. He ends up getting a 13th last week at the PGA where he just gains in all categories. The approach play has now gained in three straight events. His tee to green game has now gained in three straight events. I believe last week when he gained 8.7 strokes tee to green, that was a top five performance in his career overall. The best was the Wyndham where he gained 15.4 strokes in 2016. See who came is something that I'm going to be looking at. It's crazy for a guy who's usually in the six carry range as like a 400 to one odds guy and any type of loaded field that major events is actually going to be out here at $8,600 with Vegas odds that are right now coming in for Siwoo Kim at 40 to one crazy that it's going to be that type of a number. A top five is coming in at nine to one, but Siwoo Kim,
him is checking out as a guy who, yeah, team no putt might actually be there this week, but if it clicks, it's good. And you have the approach play really clicking for a guy with good course history. Sergio, I like, I'll be on him. Kevin Kisner, the putter will be fine enough for me to get there a little bit. Outside of that though, Corey Connors is the only other guy that I can look to and just say very similar to Paul Casey, everything checks out for him at this course, besides the fact that him trying to get into a putting duel and getting really low with birdie or betters is a concern. He ranks 50th in this field in birdie or better. He ranks 132nd in putting and 136 around the green. He is very similar to Paul Casey. He is absolutely exceptional when it comes to off the tee, ball striking approach, tee to green. I mean, he ranks sixth in this field in that department. But when it comes to him working around the green and him working overall with the putter, it's going to be absolutely a disaster more times than not. So I have him currently as a no because of the price point. If it was like $7,300 Corey Connors, I'd go there because it kind of factors in the risk a little bit. But at 8K, his putter really has to be clicking. And I don't know if I want to be betting on that. In the seven K range, a lot of guys are going to be appealing with me. I'll start with Doc Redman, a guy who is really, really bad around the green. And that's what's really hurt him at places like the Memorial, Merrifield Village in general. When they were there both weeks for the Memorial and the workday, he's really struggled around the green. He's lost like 12 straight contests around the green, but the putter has been good. He's gained five strokes, four strokes, lost six, uh, not a good event, and then gained 3.5. So if the putter's there a little bit, if we don't have to factor around the green as much with some of these smaller greens, you just get on the green, hope not to work with it because of how good his approach play is. His approach play in this field right now is going to rank up there with some of the best that you're looking at. He ranks sixth in overall ball striking and seventh in overall approach. So he's a guy at $7,800 that I have him as a yes. Maybe that's a little bit bullish early in the week because of how bad his around the green is. But if I can factor in, he has a very good week with his irons and he's landing on that green putting surface and he can just be decent with the putter as he's been great as of late. I think that regresses a little bit, but just be decent and don't worry about your around the green as much. Just get onto these greens for us. It'll be a big week for Doc Revan. It's just a matter of, can he do that? Because again, he has lost in a major way in his last 12 events around the green. Not great. A lot of guys down here, Patrick Rogers sets up for this course to an extent when it comes to what the putter is doing, but and off the tee, but when it comes to his approach, not as hot, not as good. Mav McNeely, when it comes to the putter, looks good. But again, the approach play is not going to stand out all that much. Rory Sabatini is a guy at 7,500 that I can get to. Probably doesn't come in all that great. He's just kind of average everywhere, if not below average as of late. Lonto, it would not be a Sal Vetri podcast if I didn't mention Lonto. At 7,400, he actually does have really good crossover, 44th in this field on approach and 47th in ball striking, but he's also pretty good with the putter. That's kind of his game when he has a really low rounder. He's competing like he was at the WGC. You have him coming in with a guy that looks pretty good in putting, and he's going to be that way this week when you look at both of the correlating stats. Lonto last week finishes 19th at the PGA Championship, gains five and a half strokes on approach, and he actually went neutral with the putter. So very good week to see out of him, even though he didn't get it done with the putter. He still actually finishes top 20 in a very tough field. Harold Varner is another guy that I like in this range. The approach play combination with the overall putting. When you look at what Harold Varner is doing right now in his last 50 rounds, he's second in tee to green. He's 12th in approach. He's fifth in ball striking. The putting is the one concern. He's going to be 113th. So we're looking at this a very similar way as Paul Casey in the expensive range, Corey Connors in the 8K range, but we're getting a discount on it with Harold Varner at $7,600. A guy the last time we saw him at the PGA Championship played well, finished 29th. He finished 29th even losing 2.4 strokes putting. The problem with Harold Varner is the putting. If you go to Harold Varner right now and you look at him, in his last nine events, he's lost strokes with the putter. That is terrifying. And I want putting here. So we're really banking on team no putt. But again, losing 2.4 strokes when you're that good tee to green second in this field is not always going to be catastrophic for you because your approach play, because you're around the green play, some of these other things can click for you. So Harold Varner, maybe he's a little bit more towards a yes. I think the price point's actually fair on him for this field set. You just really need the putter to do something decent because as of late, it has been absolutely horrendous. We'll leave him as a yes for now. If the ownership is going to be there, we'll move him down and we might not get as much of him because he is a volatile player. As I scroll down, we get to Sam Burns now. Sam Burns is going to be somebody that you really rely on for the short game. The off the tee as well is going to be good and accurate. The approach play, not as good. So I'll make him into a maybe, but the price point really does help him out at just $7,200. You can see all these guys if you're watching on YouTube. If you're watching on the podcast, leave a review and subscribe. You get a chance to win $50. Or if you're watching on YouTube, go over to Salvetri Show. It takes 30 
30 seconds to just hit subscribe. It takes another 30 seconds to leave a review saying this show is good. Reach me at Twitter for a chance to win $50, something like that, right? So lots of guys in this range, like Schwab has been playing very well, but another guy whose putter is not great, but he is very, very good in a lot of other areas. And he has been as of late. Charles Howell is a guy who can get hot with the putter, but struggles in other areas. So there's a lot of guys in this range that I think are okay. We talked about guys up top to an extent. I think Fratelli and Neiman also fit that mold. Neiman fits the exact same mold that we're trying to hit on with Corey Connors if you play him, that we're trying to hit on with Harold Varner if we get him, a guy who's just very good in almost every area when it comes to approach, iron play, ball striking, tee to green, but very, very bad when it comes to his putter. And honestly, not even as bad as some of the guys like Corey Connors and even like guys like Paul Casey, just not great outside the top 100 for sure. With that said, now let's move over to the 6K range where it's going to start to get pretty ugly pretty quickly, if I do say so myself. Adam Long is somebody that I just wanted to touch on here because in the 6K range, on a week where a lot of these 6K golfers are like in the 8K range this week, I think Adam Long actually is appropriately priced, if not underpriced relative to how some other guys are priced this week. You have Adam Long finishing second at the 3M Open and 51st last week in a very tough event. I wouldn't even think he was going to make the cut. If he finishes 51st this week at 6,900, you probably like that. He's the guy who's going to get you there with his putter more times than not. 23rd in this field in putting and 31st in approach. And you got to see that a couple weeks back when he gained four and a half strokes in approach at the 3M Open and three strokes putting. But he's a guy that you can rely on for the putter. If you're just talking about events where he's gained strokes putting or did not lose over a half a stroke putting, six straight events where he hasn't lost more than half a stroke putting. And only one of those times did he actually lose strokes exactly a half a stroke at the Memorial where he ends up missing the cut. His only missed cut since June 21st. So Adam Long at $6,900 is somebody that I feel okay going to. Your struggles will be around the green. He'll be a mediocre player off the tee in this field. Around the green, I don't have to worry about as much if I can just get you there with the putter and the approach play. So I don't have to even worry about you struggling around the green if your approach is landing you on those putting surfaces. So give me some Adam Long. Some other guys down here, I just don't have any major interest. McCarthy's putter can get really hot, number one in this field, but everywhere else he is just dreadful. Taylor Gooch fits the bill of guys that can putt really well and gain on approach. And he's been playing well as of late. I mean, he misses the cut at the PGA Championship, but it was nothing catastrophic, I would say. Loses over a stroke uh, off the tee. And outside of that, he was pretty decent everywhere else. At the 3M Open, he finishes 18th. The workday, he finishes 17th. Misses the cut at a tough field at the Memorial. So now he gets another easy field where he's been playing pretty well at some of these easier tracks. He's a $6,900 golfer. I prefer long there, but he does set up at least course fit-wise decently here. Go down a little bit more, and I see Jason Hadley's name at a price point of just $6,600. I do like that, but the problem with Jason Hadley is he has not been playing good. Miscut 52nd, miscut 58th. None of those things seem very nice for us, right? I mean, the last good performance was the Charles Swabs where he finishes 23rd. He will set up nicely here, 14th overall when it comes to approach. The putter is going to be middle of the pack at best at 94th, but I do think when you factor in the price point, Jason Hadley is a guy that at least looks decent here because of what he can do with his irons and his ball striking. He's 30th in this field in tee to green play as well. $6,600 though. You're going to need those good putting performances. He is a extreme risk, and this is what you're just getting in this range. You don't have to go all the way down to this range, but if you do want to play, let's just say two of the guys in the 10K range or one of the 10K range guys and two of the 9K range golfers, you're going to have to touch this range. These are some guys that at least look decent. I think Adam Shank looks okay. Graham McDowell looks okay overall from a course fit perspective. None of these guys scream off the page. I think Duffner at 6,500 fits the bill of exactly what we've been talking about. He might be the worst putter in this field, to be honest with you, since Benny Ann and Hideki aren't in it, but everything else does check out. So at 6,500, you're just hoping that this is the week that he doesn't lose three and a half strokes putting or two and a half strokes putting overall. Let's go down to the 6,500 and below range. I'll call out once again, you can get all my projections and everything over on Patreon link down below for these golfers this week, NBA every single day as well. The below, the scrubs of this slate are going to be sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight, promo code SALNFL, that is S-A-L-N-F-L, if you will, get you five free dollars, just free. You don't even have to make a deposit. If you do make a deposit, you get an extra ticket to a future contest. Obviously, your $10, if that's the deposit you make, the minimum deposit back in it as well. Then you get my Supreme Draft Guide for Fantasy Football. Loads of stuff in there. You can check it all out down below. Rankings, player profiles of 150 plus players, uh, tiers, 100 top 150s, bunch of stats, all this stuff I've been working on for a while. You can go check it out. It's linked all down below. 
below in the description of this podcast in YouTube video. Chase Seifert's down here, a guy who was just really getting hot with the putter and, and that's what he was doing. He was rimming out and he was holing out from like 140 yards at events just to really uh, pop up with his putter. He's still a fine player here. Like the putter is going to be his best weapon, but he's okay on approach. He's okay tee to green. So I do think that there's going to be a spot for him here at 6,400 to obviously look good. Matthew Naismith is a guy who's burned me at Merrifield Village both times and he just sucked there. He's not going to be good around the green. That's his That's his problem, right? Around the green and off the tee. We don't care too much about off the tee here or as much. And around the green, I, I do obviously want that to be okay. Just don't be catastrophic here, right? The combination for Naismith of his approach plate, eighth in this field, and his putting, which at this price point being top 50 in this field is pretty good, is going to be something that I look at. I have him as a yes just for me to remember to identify him and talk about him. But me having him as a yes to you guys, don't take that as this guy's a world leader, but great play. It means that out of the guys around him in the 64, 63, $6,200 range, I like him. It does not mean him compared to guys in the 7K range that are no's or he is a better play. No, that's not what I'm saying here. I'm just saying that at this exact price point, he's not going to grade out for fantasy points like the guys in the 7K range will. They'll be higher up. But if we're talking value-wise, we're talking about course fit. He's a guy that I actually like at $6,400. You have Bronson down here. He fits the bill as well as a guy who's just been pretty consistent in a lot of areas. And in these weaker field events is when he actually has a better chance to make the cut and perform decently. I'm not expecting anything major out of him. If he just makes the cut, I'll be happy for a guy who can actually shoot pretty low. He's actually 17th in this field or birdie or better. His issue is just making the cut. So Bronson at $6,200 looks decent. And Patton Kazire, if you want to bank on course history, he's made the cut here the last three times he's played dating back the last four years. Did not play here though, I believe in 2018, but he made the cut in 19, 17, and 16. Patton Kazire at $6,200. Not going to have a lot going for him outside of the putter. You need that to stay hot just to get to the weekend. In this range, I do like Matthew Naismith. I like Bronson. And then up top, I like Cypher. There's at least a narrative to say that Nick Watney, I believe he is one point outside of the FedEx Cup ranking. So he has to like make the cut and do something this weekend just to make it to the playoffs. There's a narrative to say that there's extra motivation there for a guy who is going to try and just have that chance at the playoffs and continuing to play for points in and also those dollar dollar bills, y'all, the dollar rooskies. But I do appreciate y'all tuning into this video. Thank you so much. And if you would take a second of your time hitting that big old like button for me and the big old subscribing on the YouTube channel, I do appreciate that. On the podcast, if you get the subscribe button, it really does help or the follow if you're listening on Spotify. Thank you so much for tuning into this one. I would like to thank the sponsors of the show yet again, Superdraft, 10 free dollars upon deposit using the promo code Sal, my name, that is S-A-L over there. Get $10 rooskies to play for free and Monkey Knife Fight, promo code Sal NFL. That is S-A-L, my name, no space, all one word, S-A-L, NFL like the league. Sal NFL gets you five free dollars, no deposit. And my $30 value of my Supreme Draft Guide for this year's 2020 fantasy football season, all included if you do those things. All the information for all those promotions is linked down below in the description. You can reach out to me on Twitter if you have any other questions. Thank you so much, gang, and I'll see you in the next one.